morning. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, you may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. I'm excited to be here with you. My name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Victory Church. I'm looking out and seeing some wonderful friends. Jack and Nancy Lofton, haven't seen you in a minute. Good to see you guys. Wonderful. Praise God. How many of you love Jesus? Say amen. amen. Yes, yes. Today is the uh, final installment in this series called Identity. We could easily do four, six, we could do ten more because it's all over the word. This concept might be new to some of you, uh, and so I just challenge you to, to put on a set of glasses where you begin to look at the word with a different perspective. Sometimes religion, not a relationship with Jesus, but religion that more often is about groupthink and kind of control uh, really gives us some tradition sometimes that Jesus said in Mark 7, make the word of God of no effect. Now, we just observed a good tradition. This is 2,000 years old. I want to, the distinction because a tradition that is observed in faith and not just a dead ritual, uh, that kind of tradition is the living faith of the dead, those who've gone before us. We're connected to the historical vine of Christianity. John 15, abide in the vine. He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. He says, if you will abide in me, you can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. No one apart from me, he says, can do anything because we must stay connected. Everybody say, stay connected. It's got to stay in the vine. So when we observe godly, biblical, Christ-like traditions that are living faith, they may have come from those that have gone before us, the dead in Christ. Where it goes awry, where it gets off track, is when it becomes traditionalism, and we're just going through motions, and it's just dead to us. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. You hear what I just said? Tradition that is biblical, we, we want to honor godly tradition that is biblical, because it is the living faith of the dead. It's passed from generation to generation. Now, this is an old Chuck Swindoll quote. I wish that I was original in saying that. Chuck Swindoll is one of my heroes from, from many, 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 many days past. I used to listen every noon at Insight for Living, and just learning and growing for years uh, at a great Bible teacher. And he said this one day, and I've never forgotten it. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. And we don't want the dead stuff. We want the live stuff. Come on, somebody. This morning, the title of the message is called The Man in the Mirror. I know some of you are thinking of Michael Jackson. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. No message could be any clearer. If you want, the, want to make the world a better place, just look at yourself and make a change. Now, the thing is, is that apart from Christ, you can't change in your own strength. No matter how hard we grit our teeth and how much we white-knuckle it, to have change that lasts, it's going to have to be a transformation that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. If you believe that, say amen. So I want to talk about the man, who the man is. I want to talk about the mirror, what the mirror is this morning in this fourth installment of the series, Identity. 
The series text is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If you would find a screen wall and look at it with me. It says, this belongs, or this means, I'm sorry, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, when we get to the words that are emboldened, read them out loud with me, please. This means that anyone who has become a new person, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. Do you believe what we just said? Okay, now, we're not throwing stones. There are good and bad churches of every variety. Just because we're non-denominational doesn't mean we're God's favorites. It means here that we're trying to be biblical in our teaching, but build the people that are Christ-like in their actions and in their responses. And there's sometimes a disconnect between the two. How many of you know you can be biblical and not be acting Christ-like? We want to be both. We want to be biblical. And the reason I'm saying that is you'll remember when the woman was caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8, all those guys that were standing out there with a bag full of rocks were acting biblically because the old covenant said she should be stoned. But Christ came on the scene and showed us a different way to deal with sin, and it's that mercy triumphs over judgment. Come on, somebody. Come on. And you know, the, you know the story. Jesus said, okay, go, right, go ahead, guys. This is, this is your biblical. Any of you that are without any sin, go ahead and throw the first rock. Cast the first stone. And slowly they all dropped their rocks and walked away. And it was only Jesus and the woman who was caught. And he said, where are your accusers? He says, okay, I want to bless you. I'm going to say this. Go your way. And a lot, of, a lot of today's approach is just go your way. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, go your way. And sin no more. Be transformed. Be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. My message text this morning is just a little bit longer. It's from James chapter 1. It's that famous mirror of the word passage. James chapter 1. And I'm going to begin in verse about 17. And we want to look. It says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father. Who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Everybody say, God never changes. Okay, now here we go. So you read this time. He chose. Who chose? All right, so Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, you didn't choose me. I what? Chose you. So here we go. Read it again. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. So we're born again, 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So I'm, I'm doing a little bit of review as I give you the text, because that was out of number two. Okay, It says, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. King James says it this way. We are a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Kind is the Greek word tis, T-I-S, is the way you say it in English. That's not the way it's spelled in the Greek alphabet. But it literally means species. We are a whole new kind of person on the planet. Jesus was the firstborn of the new creation of God. He was the prototype in which every one of us are being conformed to his image. Romans 8.29 says, uh, You have been predestined, conformed to become the the changed into the image of his son, who, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I totally got off track in my CD in my head in that. He says, he says that 
you were predestined, you're conformed to be in the image, to be changed and transformed into the image of his son that he might be, the firstborn among many brethren. So there is somewhere where your number came up, where God started the work in your life. He chose you before the foundation of the world. 120 were born on the day of Pentecost, born, filled with the Spirit, anointed, appointed, equipped, empowered to boldly proclaim and testify, to be a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem first, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. And Peter got inspired, stepped out there and preached a message that took about 10 minutes at the most, and 3,000 more were born and got saved. And for 2,000 years, people have been being born again. He's been choosing to give us birth by his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. We are a new species. Have you ever... I, I tell, let me back up and ask it this way. Do you remember biological science? It was about the 10th grade. And you learned how we classify all of the living organisms. There are seven, that's interesting, seven classifications. And the largest one is the kingdom. Isn't that cool? Kingdom. Are you in the animal kingdom? Are you in the plant kingdom? Kingdom, phylum, order, class, family, genus, species. Remember those seven? I remember crazy stuff, y'all. I, I, I was a good student, and that stuff is stuck. Kingdom, phylum, order, family, class, genus, species. The last one is the most specific in terms of the categorization of who we are as human beings. And what James 1 says is that we have become his prized possession. We are a kind. We are a whole new species of God-men Men who've been transformed, bought by the blood, and when I say men, I don't mean gender specific. I'm talking about humankind, male and female, made he them. Somebody say amen. He, he says that we are a whole new kind of people in the planet that are now reborn, transformed, blood-bought, spirit-filled. Oh, hallelujah. That's enough to preach and go home right there. Everybody say, I'm blood-bought. Say, I'm spirit-filled. I'm reborn. I'm transformed. And I have a destiny. Say that. So we are a God people. We are filled with God. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so in that, let's, let's, let's roll on through here. He's really just building us up into who we are. And he said, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be, say it, quick to listen and what? And slow to, oh, Lord, help us. Now, I remember my daddy said one time, son, you got two ears and one mouth. You ought to be listening twice as much as you're talking. And that, that's something that every teenager ought to grab hold of and understand. And not just teenagers. We all ought to at some point be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Verse 20, let's look ahead. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. You can't get mad enough at yourself to make you do or become what you think will please God. You can put away your, your mallets and your bats and your daggers and you can quit beating yourself up and quit cutting yourself spiritually and just just being down on yourself because there's nothing you can do in human effort or human anger to produce the righteousness of God. It is a gift of God. It is a work that he does by grace through faith. Come on, somebody put your hands together. He says, now, now, let me, let me just jump to this side. He says, so, everybody say it, so get rid of. So this is something we got to change. Get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and what? Humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart. Stop right there. The word that you were born by, 
the sperma, Greek word, the living word of God that came into you when you were dead in trespasses and sin and now has made you alive in Christ, has raised you up with him and seated you in heavenly places with him. That's who you are right now. That is your position in Christ because you are in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. He says, for it has the power, humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Now, wait a minute. If I've already accepted it, I've already been changed. I'm a new kind of species. I'm his prized possession. I've already been born again, but he's talking about saving my soul. When I came to Christ, my spirit was saved. Now I'm walking with him in sanctification and my soul. What is my soul? Do you remember from the teaching last week? Say my mind, my will, my emotions. My mind is what I think. My will is what I want. My emotions are what I feel. Jesus said, if you can lay down your suke, if you will lose your soul life, if you, you will lose, if you will lay down willingly what you think and what you want and what you feel, then you can take up Zoe, the eternal life of God. You want to know why? Because God thinks higher thoughts than I do, and his will is far greater than I can even ask or imagine. And his emotions, what he feels about me, are amazing. And I, the, the best thing I can do is say, I am who he says I am. Hallelujah. Y'all awake this morning? Come on. Yeah. And out of all creation, we became his prized possession. Understand this. Receive it, it'll save your souls. Here we go, verse 22. I was trying to catch up. Verse 22. But don't just what? Listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourselves. King James says deceiving yourselves. And the strange thing about deception is that you don't know it. If you knew it, it you wouldn't be deceived. We can go through the motions. We can fool ourselves thinking we're something that we're not. But he says if you're hearing it and not doing it, you're deceiving yourself. Take action. Be responsive to the word. Not in your own strength, but his power, the one who gives the word, with that same word, when he said light be, it carried the power to produce the desired effect of what he was saying. When God spoke life into you, that word brought the power for you to be who he called you to be. Come on, somebody. All right, next verse. I love this, 23. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like what? Glancing at your face in a mirror. The King James says it's like a man who looks at his natural face in a glass. We're going to come back to that. Everybody say natural face. So you're glancing at your face in a mirror. Everybody say mirror. All right, verse 24. You see yourself, walk away, and what? Forget what you look like. Okay, verse 25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. Everybody say, that's the word. You look into the perfect law of liberty. And if you, what? Do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will what? How many of you want God to bless you? There's the formula right there. It's called obeying the word. It's called being obedient. Obedient because he is Lord. He's not... You know, everybody wants a priest, a priest that will pray for you, that will bless you. But how do you know Jesus is not just your high priest, he's also your king. And the king has a word that has power in it. And too many people in the American dream, in American Christianity, want a priest to pray for them, but don't want a king that will tell them how they ought to live. 
God will then bless you for doing it. Verse 22 verses left. If you claim to be religious but don't control it, oh, help me, Jesus. He, he could have left that part out. If you claim to be religious but don't, don't control the thing I hear, don't control your tongue, you are what? There it is. I'm deceiving myself. I'm fooling myself. And your religion is worthless. Last verse. Here we go. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means what? Caring for orphans. Everybody in this church, we got a situation. We need to be on top of it. Let's, let's grow in this. This area we can grow in. Let's pay attention to those that are orphaned in our neighborhood. So it doesn't just have to be in Victory Church. But we're blessed. With our, with our resources, we can help those that are orphaned and those that are widows. Now, the Scripture gives some very specifics about that. If they've got a nephew or they've got children, it's their responsibility to do that. But if we've got somebody that doesn't have any family that's a widow in this church, we want to make sure that the roof on our house doesn't leak. We did that years ago. You know, put a whole roof on somebody. So we, we called that group of men the rebuilders. And we were doing stuff like that. Youth were going around and raking leaves in the neighborhoods and, and helping older people that were in circumstances where they couldn't do that or couldn't afford to pay. They were on limited income with Social Security. So we want to be, we want to pay attention. We want to make sure that the needs of these particular groups are being met. Caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing, oh my God, help us. Refusing to what? Say it. Let the world corrupt you. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Everybody say, the word is a mirror, and I don't need to forget. One thing, say it with me. This is very simple. This is the one thing you will always find. You see it? Say it, everybody. You will always find what you're looking for. Say it again. You will always find what you're looking for. Proverbs 11.27 says, The man that seeks good will find it, but he that seeks evil, it will overtake him. I mean, you know, if you go looking for good in somebody, you'll find some good. If you go looking for evil, turning over rocks, trying to find a demon, I mean, you know, you're probably going to find something. You will always find what you're looking for. And this morning, I want to make that very personal to you. When you open the Word, it's important that we put on a set of glasses and that we uh, determine what we're looking for, okay, especially as believers. We're not talking about folk that are in the spirit of disobedience, that are in rebellion, that are out here far away from Christ, having no hope, no covenant, not part of the people of God. We're talking about people that are born again, that are blood-bought. You've already said it. You're a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. So you take a different perspective. You put on a set of glasses and how you look at the scripture and what you're going hunting what you're looking for. Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, help me today as I open this important truth from your word. Show us who the man in the mirror is. Help us to open our eyes and open our hearts. Jesus, be everything that you are and all that you can do. Holy Spirit, what only you can do. We honor you. The scripture tells us that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Be Lord, Spirit of God, in this place. Today we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Number one, point number one, the mirror is the Word of God. Say that with me. The mirror is the Word of God. I want you to remember, it's like glancing into a glass at your face. The King James says your natural face. When you look up the Greek word for natural face in the authorized version and the original in the Greek, the word natural is literally the Greek word genesis or genesis. 
It's the faith of it's the face of your origin. It is the face of your birth. That should be on the on the screen. The Genesis, your natural face is the face of your birth. Everybody say Genesis. So when we're when we're going to the mirror of the Word of God, we are going looking for our Genesis face. Now, when I got up this morning, and uh, my my alarm went off, and actually I woke up before it did, and just laid there and just prayed and worshiped and thank God for you and prayed for those that would be in the service this morning and, and for the Lord to give me clarity and brevity, the two things that I ask for when I'm speaking. And, and I, I was just thinking, God, hope, open the hearts of your people. Let the Holy Spirit be poured out. Let us be filled with your presence. Let worship, oh God, transform people's lives and their hearts. And I, I, I'm laying there just thinking about that. And I, I looked at my, I, I reached and got my phone. I looked at the time and I said, okay, I, I got to get up. So I went and stood in my, my master suite bathroom, there's great big mirrors, and, and I'm, I'm looking, you know, I'm, I'm taking the, the razor and I'm cleaning up this beard line here so that I don't have this little bit of white, you know, scruff out here on the top and cleaning up under my neck here, and I brushed my teeth. How many of you thankful that I did that? And, and, and so I'm, what am I doing is I am looking at the mirror and I'm trying to remove all the filth, Okay. Showered, got rid of the sweat, you know, uh, made sure that uh, everything was in line. I dried my hair, I brushed it, put a little bit of product in it so it would hold in place. And so when I'm standing there looking in the mirror, I'm not looking for how awful I am. I'm looking to try to get rid of the bedhead and all the awful so that who I really am gets revealed. Are you following me? Ladies, you're way, way more adept at this than we are. You go and you sit down and your face is... Just beautiful as it is, but you enhance things. You 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 contour this and that and the other, and 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 you you accent the cheekbones and put a little bit of this or here or there and a little bit of you know whatever. And there's not anything wrong with that. We're grateful for that. I didn't mean it like it sounded. Bad. That didn't come out right. Praise God. From whom all blessings flow. <laughs> okay, I just, I can't reverse it and go back. You will always find what you're looking for. You can spend so much time in your natural face, in a natural mirror, and as we age, you know, there are wrinkles. I got crow's feet over here. Um, there's, this is not as tight as it used to be, and that kind of vexes me. I'm going, what is that? What is that turkey gobble thing right there? And I'm going, yeah, I'm 61 years old, but I don't look it. Okay, I'm, you know, come on, you get, you don't, don't, don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and you're all looking, you're concerned, and and you know, you can, you can, you can, I could go and expand this illustration, and I can take it down to the whole body in terms of what you're looking like in your clothes and all that. But you know what you look in the mirror for? You're trying to make things look good, make them look right. You're looking for the best. Are you following me? Why is it that when we go to the Word of God, and I'll tell you why it is, is because we have been marinated in a demonically inspired religious control system that has told us for years that we were worthless and no good. And I started this series by showing you that the very place that God began all of this, it was called original goodness. Now, religion emphasizes, and yes, it's true, sin is real. Sin is deadly. Sin will kill you. 
But I'm telling you, as a believer that is blood-bought, that is reborn, that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that has a destiny on your life, a man of faith, a woman of purpose, everything you should hear shouldn't be about who you used to be. It ought to be about who you are now. You will always find what you're looking for. Come on, easy one thing. Say it back to me. What did I just say? You will always find what you're looking for. You turn over the rocks looking for devils, you're going to find them. But I want to teach you that when you go to the Word, you're not looking in, in a spirit of condemnation. Why? Because Romans chapter 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah! So, point number two, what are you looking for? And there are two trains of thought. I've actually had people leave victory because I didn't preach hellfire and brimstone. I, did, I, was, I, was, I walked into a store the other day, and a, a, a sweet person behind the counter was telling me about getting a new pastor. And she, she was just saying, oh, and he will step on your toes. She said, I just leave bloody every Sunday. And I said, really? And I, I, that's all I said. I just want to go, really? And you, and you kind of you think that's cool? I don't know about you. I, I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not a wife beater. I do not beat up the bride of Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I just read it to you. I, I look at the scripture, and if the scripture says it, then I'm going to emphasize it. Put away all the filth, all the anger, all of the superfluity of naughtiness is what the King James says. Get rid of that stuff. Talk right. Clean up your mouth. Clean up your act. But it's, I'm not telling you to do something you don't have the strength to do because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory now. And you want to do what my baby girl said when I was in New York. She said, Dad, I'm getting rid of everything that's not in line with the purpose of God for my life. That's what you do right there. We got two, two options, two streams of thinking. We can, we can have sin consciousness where every Sunday all we're hearing is basically John 3.16 warmed over with a spice thrown in and a little bit of a kind of a different approach. And, and every Sunday we've got a congregation that is 90% or more born again and, and they're, they're just dwelling on, meditating on, just uh, OCD obsessing about the fact that they are so sinful that they can't go through a day without sinning. Do you know we've, we're, we've had an hour this morning? Now, I, I don't know what's in your head and what you're thinking, but nobody in the room's killed anybody. Nobody in the room has stolen anything, I hope. I mean, you know, if you want to steal that communion cup, go right ahead. Are you hearing me? Why do we think that we can't do anything for a minute or an hour? And if, you know what? If you can string two or three hours together, it can become a day. And you can learn to cast down imaginations. You can learn to control what you're thinking. Just because you have a wrong thought... Just because you have a bad thought doesn't mean you're sinning. It's when you entertain that thought that it becomes sin. Oh, my goodness. If you guys had, I thank God my mind is not on a screen for you to see because crazy stuff. You know why? You want to know why? Because I believe thoughts literally are spirits that are looking for a foothold in my life. I believe that the enemy of my soul, diabolos, dia means, means through, bolos means to hurl. I believe he hurls thoughts through my mind to see what I'm going to reach out and grab a hold of. My grandfather was quoting Augustine, the African-American, not African-American, the African bishop of Hippo in the 4th century, when he said, you can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair. Are you following me this morning? 
just because you have a wrong thought, just let it, let it go right on and pass. Don't, don't invite the bird down and feed it. Are you following me? Come on. Come on. So we have, I just want to tell you this. I believe when people get up the courage who've been out of church and never been church and they come in here, I, I don't think there's anybody, period, who's not to some degree aware of sin that's in their lives. You get in the presence of God in worship, in, the, in a room that's got as much Holy Ghost as we've had this morning moving in this place. And if I'm, in, if I'm disconnected from God, it's going to make me uncomfortable. It's going to, yet at the same time, he's going to draw me because the Bible says it's his kindness that leads me to repentance. Not somebody hammering me and, and dangling me over hellfire and brimstone, but the kindness of God is what Romans says leads me to repentance. Do I have an Amen. I'm quoting the Bible. I'm surprised that I got a little halfway. Amen. We can be sin conscious. We can go looking for sin. Or we can learn to become righteousness conscious. How many of everybody in the room that's blood bought, that's got the spirit of God in your life, you are the righteousness of God in Christ right now. Not sure about that? Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Right after 5.17, the one that we've made the series text for this series, a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. 21 says this, For he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus already did that. It's, 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 it's like a divine accounting, a T account. He, he, he debits his righteousness into my account, and he credits out my sin and he debits it onto his account. He was the sin bearer who took away the sin of the world. Come on somebody. And he took yours away. We need to learn to develop righteousness consciousness. What does righteousness mean? It is such a churchy word that I, 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 would, I would be surprised if, if a handful of people could really define it in this room. Righteousness very simply means right standing with God. You are in good standing with the Heavenly Father right now, not because of your works, but because of what Jesus has already done. Not what you do, but because of what he did. Are you following me this morning? Everybody say, I am righteous because of Jesus. Not in my own strength, but in his finished work. I am righteous. Some of it, it's almost hard for you to let those words come off your lips. No, I, I'm not righteous. Well, deal with it. Get, get rid of it. If we sin, John, 1 John 2 says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is in your stead. He is your representative in the court of heaven. You will always find what you're looking for. Are you getting anything out of this? Last point. Last point. Beholding and becoming. Beholding and becoming. I really believe that why some Christians are so angry, it's because that's the image of the God they worship. He is a caricature of the real Heavenly Father. He is really, the God they're worshiping is really Zeus from Greek mythology who is angry all the time and he's ready to just blow up the whole place and smack you around and take you out. He's ready to completely destroy you. He's a God who can't control his anger. Really? Is, is our Heavenly Father like that, so desperately, emotionally uncontrolled? Come on, He knows what your issues are. 
And you know what? How many of you, when you birthed a baby into your family and that baby started to take his or her steps, when they fell down, did you pick them up and swat their backside because they stumbled? Talk to me. Did you? Absolutely not. No. Why? Because you love that child. Do you, one of the greatest things that dawned upon my thinking was when I recognized how much I loved Drew when he immediately as he was born and I held him in my arms. It was just an indescribable awareness that I love this child. I, I can't tell you how much I love this child and everything he did. I mean, it was, we were videoing, we were recording. Oh my gosh, we took all these pictures. And then seven years later when Abby came along, she said, did y'all have a camera when I was alive? <laughs> I'm serious. You know, you overdo it on the first one and then, you know. It's like the mama who's worried about their child getting dirty, and then the second one, they can be out playing in the mud, you know, and just smeared down and everything. Oh, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> but both of the children, I love them so much, and the greatest thing that ever dawned on me was that was just a minuscule amount of how much my Heavenly Father loves me. That blows my mind. God is so crazy about you. He was crazy about you when you were in sin. Even when you offended his holiness, he still loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you and to take away the sin. Oh my gosh, I can't get excited. Are you hearing me this morning? Look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to start with 16. We're talking about Moses and the old covenant. And the veil hiding his face because of the glory that was fading. And he said, when all of these people look at the new covenant, they're veiled. They don't understand it. He says, nevertheless, when one what? Everybody say repent. Because guess what? When you turn to something, by implication, you're turning away from something. When I, real repentance is a Bible word. It's a password into the full benefits of the kingdom of God. I have to keep changing my mind. At metanoia, that was our message last week. I have to keep turning from what the world is marinating me in and thinking and turning to what the Word of God says and turning to how the Spirit of God is leading me. And as I repent, as I metanoia, as I change my mind and I say, God, this is who you say I am, but God, this is what I feel like. This is what I'm struggling with. And he says, renew your mind. And he keeps pointing me to who I am called to be. How many of you know whatever you pay attention to will grow? You struggle and you try to pay attention to the sin that you're struggling with. It will only get bigger until you turn to Christ and turn away from the power of that. And he's able to strengthen you. doesn't mean it's all going to be easy. He says, when one, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Verse 17. Now, read it out loud with me. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That means he wants us to be free because his spirit's in here. We should be free because we brought the spirit in this room with us. Keep going. But we all, everybody say all, with unveiled face, what are we doing? Beholding as in a, there it is, the glory of the Lord are being what? Transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. When you are worshiping, when you are praying, when you open the Bible, you don't go searching for everything that's wrong with you. You go searching to get rid of the stuff so that the greatness of God that is in you can come out and shine. Come on, somebody. 
We're not ignoring sin. We're not ignoring mess. I got a bed head. I've got to get in the shower. I've got to wash off the stink. Pardon my plainness. I've got to, I've got to pay attention. I've got, to, I've got to do what's necessary to be able to bring myself into a place of being presentable because what I'm looking at right now is not who I am. I've seen my reflection. I know who I am. I've not forgotten who I am. I'm talking naturally now. So let's remember it in the Spirit. I'm not forgotten that I'm a born-again, righteous child of God that is empowered, that is forgiven, that is set free, that is blood-bought, that has a destiny upon my life. God, help me when I get a place of spiritual amnesia and momentarily forget who I am because then I'm open to go do anything that the enemy sends. Diabolos hurls my way in terms of temptation. If I don't keep my mind renewed to who I am, I'll start living like who I used to be again because that's what we do. We return to the old. I'm preaching so good this morning. We all, with unveiled face, with open face, beholding as in a mirror. That's the word. The glory of the Lord. When you open the Bible, you are looking to see the glory of God be revealed in your life. And when you keep looking at that image of who Jesus is, you want to be biblical, but you want to be Christ-like. As you see who Jesus is and how he acts and how he responds to people, he's not a judgmental legalist. He doesn't pick up bags of rocks and throw at people because they've missed it. He doesn't kill the people in the army that are wounded. Come on, he, he, he wraps his arm around them and he loves them and he pours in oil and wine and he medicates them and he comforts them by the power of his Holy Spirit. And guess what I'm being transformed into? Everybody say the same image. What I'm looking at, I am becoming what I'm beholding. You want to stay an angry Christian? Just keep on worshiping a mad, angry God. you got to remember that the God we serve now, Jesus took all of the wrath and the punishment for every accusation, every sin, every transgression, all the iniquity. He is the Savior of the world. And God is not mad at you. God is not angry with you. Come on, that's a revelation. There's at least a dozen people in this room need to hear that. Say that out loud. God is not mad at me. No, come on. I'm not going to play with you. Say it like you mean it. God is not mad at me. That's it. Say it like you mean it. Come on. God is not mad at me. Thank Jesus because he changed everything. And now when I look at the word, when I worship, and I get excited because the presence of God is tangible and it's palpable and I can sense it. God knows worship carried me when I lost the love of my life. Sometimes I was so low and had no hope and I would sit down at the piano and just begin to worship God and his spirit would fill the room and he would wrap his arms around me and he would say, Michael, it's going to be okay. I'm going to carry you. And I would worship the Lord from that place, not singing a song that was already written, but I was just singing out of my spirit worshiping God in that place. And I was beholding a father who loved me, who was hurting with me as I was hurting. We become what we behold. What are you looking at? What are you looking for? Because you'll always find what you're looking for. Favor comes to the man who looks for good, but trouble comes to the man who looks for evil. Are you looking for evil? Are you looking for evil in your own life? Are you looking for evil in your neighbor? Are you looking for evil in the brother in front of you in the, the seat or the bench? You're looking for evil in your spouse? You're going to find it because he's not perfect. She's not perfect. Looking for evil in your children? Come on. 
we're not without sin. I'm just telling you, we have a choice now because we've got a new nature. We've got a new heart. We've got a new spirit. We've got a new name. I am a new somebody, a new person. Come on, somebody. My, 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 my. I'll tell you who the man in the mirror is. You go looking for Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen to this. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. How many of you ever heard a message from a pulpit where you were called a saint? A few of you, maybe. If you've been in a real Bible church, you have. But most places, you're, never, you're called a sinner. You're not called a saint. How many of you know now in Christ, you are a saint? Everybody say, I'm a saint. From the same word sanctified, you've been set apart. You have, you've been set apart from sin. You've been, a set, you've been set unto the purpose of God for your life. He says, he chose to reveal to his saints, to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, now hear this, warning every man. Yes, every preaching should have some warning. When I read James, it was put away the filth, get rid of it. Stand in front of the mirror, don't walk away forgetting what you look like, hearing the word and not doing it. Don't be deceived, don't fool yourselves. Warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. That's the Spirit of God that's working in every person in this room this morning. You know what? you got a problem. You don't need a good idea. You need a God idea. You need to let God reveal himself, show up in your life, and show out with what only he can do. Are you hearing me this morning? I wish I had time. There's a wonderful passage in Colossians 3 that begins with, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. I'd love to read 10 or 12 verses, but I'm going to jump quickly to verse 10 and I'm finished. He says, Don't lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Let me unpack that real quick. I now have put off the old man. I buried him in the waters of baptism. I was raised to newness of life in Christ. And now I got to put on who I am now. I got to put on the new man. And as I look at him, I'm becoming what I'm beholding. I'm being transformed from glory to glory. Everybody say, from glory to glory. Romans chapter 1 says, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To him that believes, he says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Everybody say, from faith to faith. So it's from one degree of faith to a greater degree of faith. I'm growing in my faith, in my believing that God is for me, and if he is, who can be against me? As I worship him, as I am in the place of where the Spirit of the Lord is and he's bringing liberty, I am beholding him and I'm being changed from, say, glory to glory, from glory to glory. Psalm 84 says, every one of them in Zion appears before God and they go from strength to strength. Everybody say, strength to strength. So I'm getting stronger. As I walk with the Lord, more glory of God is being revealed in my life. As I hear the word, more faith is growing in my heart to trust God for greater things. 
Now, there's another place in Scripture that talks about a progression. It's the book of Jeremiah, and it says a generation that turns from God goes from evil to evil. I don't want to be a part of that progression. Proverbs 4.18, for the path of the justice is the shining light that shines more and more under the perfect day. When you walk with the Lord, the light on your path should become brighter. When you walk with the Lord, the faith in your heart should grow stronger. When you walk with the Lord, your spiritual fortitude should get bigger because you should go from strength to strength. When you walk with the Lord, sin should be decreasing. You should be decreasing. He should be increasing. And the glory of the Lord should take you from one degree of glory to another. Where you're stronger, where you're more powerful, where you're anointed, where you're appointed, where you are confident in what God has called you to do and be. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Summing it all up, you become what you behold. What are you looking at? What are you looking for? I'm looking at the man in the mirror, and I'm telling you who the man in the mirror is as a Christian. You're looking at the face of Jesus Christ. You are being conformed to his image. You're being transformed from glory to glory, but you are becoming what you're beholding. What are you looking at? Are you sin conscious? Or can you see this morning that you need to begin to learn how to develop a righteous consciousness? Everything in the Bible that's all about in Christ, in Him. I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm righteous, I have wisdom, I have strength, I have the mind of Christ in me. Paul said you just have to let it, let this mind. For he has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. 1 Corinthians 2.16, for yea, we have the mind of Christ. You've got it in you right now. You're just not activating. You're just not letting it be. Listening to that still small voice when you head in a direction and something down in your gut just twists and you go, no, I know this isn't right. And you just plow headlong into it. Well, you know what? He still loves you. He's not going to, he not, now he will discipline you. But I believe even the discipline of the Lord is not punitive. It's therapeutic. He wants to grow us up and help us become everything that he's called us to be. Put your hands together and give him praise this morning. I want to sing Waymaker before we go. And we, we got some announcements in a moment, but I, I want to just take this right now before we get out of here. Let's not lose this moment, and let's just go back into his presence of what he can do. There are people in this room that you need to do some business with God. We'll have prayer folk up here that will be, stand with you in faith. And, and just I just want to invite you. In this moment, as we lift up these words, he is Waymaker. He is the promise keeper. He is your light and your darkness. That's who he is. That's who you are. This morning, prayer team, come up. And those who, are, who need prayer, please come up as we sing and worship the Lord today.